I'm going to go straight into the second part of this series. We've covered so much this year. We've, we've had a series on the life of Joseph, um, just the most amazing man, one of the most incredible inspirations in the Bible, no matter what came at him. He just kept going, and, and he became the dream that he'd, that he'd had handed to him by God. He became the dream, even though he went to prison, accused of rape, all sorts of things went on, and you know it took, it took a long time, but he got there. And he became the most influential man on the planet, really. Saved, and it wasn't just about a position. He saved the world, really, from the most horrendous famine, seven-year famine. Incredible thing. As a church, we've been through the series. We heard about it earlier in the offering about the blessed life, which I don't know about you, but every time I hear that, it absolutely challenges me and encourages me to the core that God says he wants me to live the blessed life. And as we partner with him, great things can happen. Absolutely amazing. As we prioritize our lives, as we get things straight, as we seek first the kingdom and not our own stuff. I mean, that's just amazing. It's really what the church is about. Then we've had a series for seven weeks on, and it was called Unshakable. And that really went into the heart of the matter. And I I suppose if you could put it into just a a single liner, it's really, how's your relationship with God? (laughs) How's your relationship? Is your life built on the rock or built on the sand? Are you hearing from God? Is your heart alive? Are you, are you praying? Are you in the Word of God? And it, and it wasn't a heavy series because what happens is we become unshakable. And of course, the kingdom is unshakable. The king is unshakable. So many great things that we found out in that series. And now, of course, we're in this series, Dare to Dream. And as I think back over the last six months, we've really got such a good balance going on in the church of our heart for God, our heart for people, and yet a passion for what God wants to do in us. You know, if you go to church and it's all about me, 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 you might as well get a, a podcast and just hear your favorite sermons all the time. But, but it's not about me, 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 me. It's about Jesus, Jesus, and it's about his kingdom. That's what, that's what this is all about. And yet God still says, I will give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that good news? Are there any desires in the room today? I I believe there are so many desires. Now, of course, we can find scriptures and we have experiences where, you know, sometimes we have things like this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. What does that mean? If you, you know, if you've been believing something and standing for something for, you know, for a long time, Perhaps over years, I'm not talking about hours here. Sometimes we're in such a, a, an instant society. I believe that for yesterday and nothing's happened. What the heck's going on? Well, come on, guys. We need a bit of patience and we need a bit of strength on the inside. But, you know, so often if we've been believing God for things for years, you know what? We can get a little bit battle weary. Anybody been there? A man alive? I know I've been there and I'm sure we've all been there. But... Today, I want to talk about something that I've called the deciding factor. Is that all right? The deciding factor. We've covered the centrality and the importance of hearing from God and being filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but last Sunday, something happened in this place. 
We had so many people baptized with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues for the first time. And just really the presence of God in this place. Absolutely wonderful. God is certainly doing something in Citygate in the area of praise and worship. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's just a whole new level. I love that new song earlier. Uh, I know what happens in a new song. We all sort of stand there like a dog in a new bowl. It's like... You know, it's like, I, I don't know this, so I'm not going to have a go because I'm not going to be embarrassed. I'll wait till I know it, and then I'll sing with great gusto. And, but, you know, uh, Jesus, you're the only way. Oh, what a fantastic song. I could explode with that one. No matter what may people say, I, I know whom I believed, and I know that he is able to keep that which he has entrusted until that day. Amen. But today I want to talk about the deciding factor. And there's just one verse that I really want to hang this off today. There's going to be some other verses that we, that we hear from today. And again, I'm not taking a verse out of context. This is a very scriptural uh, precedent through the whole Bible. But I'm just taking one verse today. And that is this, 3 John verse 2. It says, Beloved, I pray above all things that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now today I'm not talking about health and prosperity. It's not what I'm talking about. So please don't think, oh, here we go again. Well, again, we've just done a whole series where we didn't even talk about it. It's all about unshakable, about our relationship with God and, and who we are in Christ and, and hearing from God. But, but today I want to really paint the picture this, that you'll live the dream to the extent that your soul prospers. You'll live the dream to the extent that your soul prospers. Again, this builds off everything this year. We're not just wanting a blessed life. We're wanting an awesome relationship with God. And the result is a blessed life. The result is the goodness of God. The result is all the blessing of God. It's not a slot machine, a dependent thing that, oh, if I do that, I get blessed. No, we're already blessed. But I don't know about you. I, I just want to uh, have an awesome relationship with God, hearing his voice and walking in his word and walking in his way, loving people and loving God. And yet the promises of God are just phenomenal. And we will be in health and we will prosper. Let's say we will live the dream. Now, when I talk about the dream, I'm not talking about the American dream or the British dream or the Nigerian dream or the Jamaican dream or the Trinidadian dream or the Spanish dream or the French dream or the South African dream. We've got so many South Africans coming to the church at the moment. They're just coming in from everywhere. It's like, we're, they're just turning up. If I've left you out, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. Wherever you're from, your dream as well. Ghanaian dream. Come on. Ghanaian dream. Latvian dream. Lithuanian dream. French dream, South East London dream, innit? (laughs) 
If you want to live whatever dream it is, we're not talking about the dream that the world lives for. It's not the dream we're talking about. Now, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom, and you'll get just by default everything that the world's running after and killing themselves trying to get. We just get it just because we're doing the kingdom stuff. Yeah? So they put themselves under so much stress and pressure trying to get that next thing, whatever it is, tick box. And we just love God and walk with God and have compassion for people and, you know, help Food Plus and run a small group or do whatever else we do. We're just, we're just getting on with the kingdom. And then we find out, you know, all the stuff they're killing themselves trying to get, God just did it for me. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Just wonderful. But there is a deciding factor. You will live the dream that God has for your life, that God has for us, which involves all the blessing. I get that, but it's more than that. It's as he is, so are we in this world. It's the dream to see our nation come to Christ. It's the dream to see churches planted, life-giving, healthy churches. I know we got 5,000 amazing churches in London, but there are still 97.2% of the population don't even attend one of them, the church, anywhere. So the dream we have is determined... Not by the will of God. That's a challenge to us, I think. It's not determined by the will of God. God has a will, but we still have a part to play. He works in and through the church. Thank God for the times he works in spite of us. (laughs) But God doesn't intend to work in spite of us. He wants to work through us and with us as co-laborers with Christ. So the deciding factor is this, the prosperity of our soul. The prosperity of our soul. What is going on in our soul? It's as if this is a theme going through this year. We're coming back to it again. The other Sunday, we talked about engaging our soul. The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. We're to love God with all our heart, our soul, our strength. Soul is so important. And, you know, soul is the battleground. It's the area. It's, you know, you can call it the flesh. The flesh is not just the physical body. It's the area of our mind, our will, and our emotions, the things we have choice over where we make decisions, where we make, you know, says, doesn't it, Deuteronomy 30, this day, I could say every day, I set before you death and life, blessing, choose life, choose life, choices every day, good choices, bad choices, terrible choices, wonderful choices. And the soul is what we want to be talking about just a little bit today. Again, this is not a deep teach, you have to come to an academy to find out about we are a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body and all the rest of it and what we do. 
But today our soul is our deciding factor. The health of our soul is vitally important. It determines God's will being done in our lives. See, God's will can be there, but our soul needs to line up with the will of God for God's will to come to pass. It's where our submission to Christ is. Our alignment with his will happens in our soul. It's where our obedience lies. It's where our emotions are engaged or disengaged. It's where our thoughts live. The soul. To live the dream, there must be two things that we embrace. And again, you're going to say, Pastor Jay, we've heard this so many times. Well, I've heard it a thousand times and I'm still wanting to hear it again because I still need to put it into practice in my own life. Number one, our lives move in the direction of our most dominant thoughts. There's a whole day seminar in that. Number two, we are the prophet of our own lives. We become what we talk about all the time. That's it. Simple message today. The prosperity of our soul for today hinges on these two things. The thoughts we think and the words we speak. No wonder nearly every time God speaks a life-changing word into people's lives, he shows them pictures. He shows them pictures. Stars, sand, trees, a fire, an oven, clay on a potter's wheel. He shows people gold. He shows people precious stones. He shows people streams, oceans, rivers. He gives pictures. When he wants to make a point, he puts in an image. He puts in a picture. Why? He doesn't just give us a word because we don't think in words generally. We think in images. We can call them flashbacks. We can have, you know, just be going down the road and we get a thought and all of a sudden we see the situation we were in when we heard a piece of music or when we see a person, suddenly we see the last situation we were in. There's a whole thing that goes on in the soul which God created for purpose. Our thoughts are the place that carry our core beliefs, what we really believe, which is why we need to keep on having our mind transformed. Spirit's already been transformed. I'm born again. God's done an amazing work. I didn't have anything to do with it apart from I received Jesus Christ as Lord, still led by the Holy Spirit, drawn to the cross. Gave my life to Jesus. God took out the old heart, put in a new heart, and that new heart is perfect in the image and the likeness of God. It can never get any any more like God. It can grow up and mature, but it's a new creation. 
from that day on, we got a job to do in our soul. That's where salvation is at work on a daily basis. Our attitudes, our mind, our temper, our frustration, our embarrassment, our insecurities. All that's in the soul. So when God wants to speak to people, he gives them a picture. He gives them an image on the inside. It's where we carry our core beliefs. So I want to ask us the question, what thoughts are there which control me? What are the thoughts which actually dominate me? What are the thoughts that actually dominate you? What are those thoughts? Because if those are the thoughts we have, that is the direction we're heading in and that is what's going to come to pass in our lives if we keep on in that direction. It's quite simple, really. Some people are praying and sort of saying, oh God, will you do a, you know, bring a breakthrough? And yet their thoughts are going this way. And yet the breakthrough's over there. The breakthrough's waiting. I don't want to get all really complicated with us, but there is no time in God. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's already brought the breakthrough. It's already happened. He's already got it sussed. We just need to walk to the place where the breakthrough is. There it is. Right there. It's right there. We're not trying to wait for some supernatural intervention God moves. I mean, we talk about this all the time, the moving of the Spirit and the falling of the glory and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit out of our hearts. I'm not saying God's sitting back and doing nothing, but in some ways, you know, it's a bit like mindy really, but God's already moved. So where are my thoughts taking me? Are my thoughts taking me towards the breakthrough or towards whatever it is, the dream? Or my thoughts taking me a different direction? Where are my thoughts taking Because your thoughts will take you there. Your life moves in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. So what thoughts are dominating me? Where do I go every day? Into arguments and rows and frustrations? Or do I go into peace and grace? Does my mind take me towards unbelief? Or does my mind take me towards faith that I already have? But where's my mind taking me? You see, for Peter, his faith took him out on the water, but his mind made him sink. His faith, he he was there, he was walking. Faith was not the issue. But when he saw the wind and the waves, what did he do? He saw, what did he do? He got a picture, he got an image. Wind, waves, doesn't make sense. What took him down? His mind. What took him out? His faith. We will go in the direction, whether that's sinking or flying in the direction of the thoughts which dominate us. Question, what do I really believe about myself? What do I really believe about myself? And we're to be really proactive in this, not just reactive. Not resigned, not casual, but proactive. If I believe my thoughts take me in the direction into God's will if my prosperity and health is dependent on the prosperity of my soul if I live the dream because I think the dream then what am I thinking? What thoughts are dominating me and how can I be proactive about this to make sure I get where God wants me to go? 
Well, a couple of things. Number one, get the wrong pictures out. Get the wrong pictures out. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Helmet of salvation. I'm sensing we need to do a, perhaps a series sometime on the armor of God. Or the, perhaps we should enlarge it, the clothes the Christian wears. Robes of righteousness, garments of praise, armor of God. That sounds like a good series to me. What's part of the series of the, of the armor? Helmet of salvation. Helmet of salvation is there to protect the mind. To protect the mind. You see, there are thought bombs all day long. Thought bombs. They just come at you left, right, and center. I don't know if you've just been walking down the road and boom, you get a thought bomb. It could be something selfish. That's a thought bomb. It could be something aggressive. That's a thought bomb. It could be something unbelieving. It could be something that takes you into failure, causes you to do the wrong decision. It could be something which causes a bias against another group of people. Thought bombs. Thought bombs. And all the time it's a thought bomb. That's all right, I've got my helmet on. It just, just, didn't even take root. But if I start taking my helmet off, those thought bombs don't just glance off, they go boom in my head. Problem is, they don't stay in your head. They move further, but I'm not going to go there till about 10 minutes time. We need to be people who guard our heart, absolutely, but we've got to be guarding our mind. The Bible says we are to take thoughts captive. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, be thou blank in the head. <laughs> be thou blank in the head. Just think about nothing. Now, isn't it interesting that so many of other spiritual let's call it spiritual beliefs, say, empty your mind. Empty your mind. Empty your mind. Dear God, you empty your mind, you are opening it up to whatever the enemy wants to put in there. Whatever he wants. You empty your mind. Bible didn't say empty your mind. It says fill your mind with the right stuff. Fill your mind, not empty it. Dear God, don't get some, some, some other you know, belief. Oh, I'm just going to spend time for half an hour emptying my mind, letting it all drain away. You're, you're turning your, your, your soul into a football pitch. Anything can start flying around in there if you just empty your mind. No, we don't empty our mind. We think on things that are pure and lovely and peace-loving, things that are of a good report. We set our mind on nothing. No, we set our mind on things above. We set our minds. This is something that we actively have to do. It's a proactive thing. It's something that we've got to take um, as a priority in our lives to set our minds. Why? Because we need to get the wrong pictures out and we need to put the right pictures in. It's what we need to do. Pictures, words, promises, photos, videos, surround your life with images that are going to put the right thoughts in. The right thoughts in. Screensavers. Can we go there? 
screensavers. You know, because we're such an addicted generation to that little five-inch screen, what you see on it, vitally important. Why? Because you see that now more than anything else. It's just where life has gone. Hi there, Omo. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm having a great conversation. I'm looking at that, but I'm talking to you. So what image is going in? I'd prefer to see this handsome chappy. <laughs> Rather than a five-inch screen with a screensaver of, of something that I shouldn't be looking at or something that may be funny, but what image is going in my head? See, these actually put images... Not, I'm not anti-phone, dear God. You know, and that's, that's not what I'm saying. But it's the images that we look at all the time. On my screensaver, on my computer, I look at my computer more than anything else. So I do a lot of work at my desk. And my screensaver for the last four years, three years, can't remember now, three years, must be, was Christopher's 21st um, evening dinner with my mum, my dad, and my family. And every time I logged on there, they were all smiling at me. <laughs> Bless all these different people. All looking at me. At Aqua Shard. We had a wonderful time. What a great memory. What a great thing to look at. First thing in the morning. And last thing at night. I've now got a different screensaver on. Just for a short period of time. Why? Because I need to build that image in my mind. I won't tell you what it is. Nothing to do with you. Thank you very much. But it's... <laughs> but... Um, it's a wonderful image. <laughs> oh, I'm not telling you. <laughs> well, you see, you're making the wrong choices here. Those are selfish choices, whoever's saying, tell me. <laughs> but what we look at, what we allow in, what we kick out, vitally important. Hebrews 11:18 By faith Abraham when he was tested offered up Isaac and he who had received the promises how did he receive the promises look at the stars look at the sand so many kids you're going to have yeah so he who had believed the promises given in, in visions in dreams offered up past tense not was about to he'd already done this he'd he'd in his inside he'd already sacrificed his 20 year old son Isaac he wasn't a little kid at this point he was 20 years old between 18 and 21 so let's average it out he in his heart he said yeah no problem I can do this of whom it was said in Isaac, you're going to have kids. So on his inside, he was saying, yeah, I'll quite happily sacrifice my son because I've already got a vision that he's having kids. Wow. I've got a vision. God has promised. Oh, I didn't know you had it out there. I didn't have it in yellow on my thing. So what, you want a wonderful team. In Isaac, your seed shall be called. You're having kids through Isaac. It's what that is. And he saw them as sand and stars. God says, I want you to sacrifice Isaac and burn him into a pile of ashes. He says, no problem. 
Don't believe the films you watch where he's falling apart and going banana. The Bible says when God spoke to him, he got up early the next day and went straight for it. Went straight for it. He was like, wow, this is going to be the most amazing experience. Why? Because he's having kids. So that means I'm going to sacrifice him. I'm going to burn him into a pile of ashes. Then I'm going to stand back and say, you said... In Isaac, my seed shall be called. That pile of ashes is going to have kids. So in the name of my covenant, Almighty God, you've got to do something about this. This is the first resurrection in the Bible. Why? He had a picture. He had a vision. Concluding, concluding that God was able to raise Isaac up from the dead. He had a picture. He had a vision. He got really miffed when God said, stop. I'm going to, wow, I'm missing out on seeing the most amazing thing that anybody could ever see. Can't I do it? Oh, go on. No, you've already done it in your imagination. from which he also received him in a figurative sense. One translation clearly says, in his imagination. It's as if it happened. Why? He saw the stars. He saw the sand. He saw the the, uh, sacrifice. He saw the offering. He saw the resurrection. He already saw it on the inside. He had the right pictures on the inside of him. The right pictures, not the wrong pictures. Don't do the okey-cokey with this. Keep putting them in and out and in and out and in and out and in and out. Get the wrong ones out and put the right ones in and rule off. See, sometimes we put the right, the wrong, we get the right ones out, we put the wrong ones in. Then we go through something and we say, oh, well, those old ones, I'm going to put them back in now. I know I kicked them out some time ago, but I'm putting them back in. The last time I went through this, I felt like that and it failed. But you know what? That's my default. No, we've got to change our default. We've got to change our core. We've got to change what we really believe in ourselves. So that's the first one. Number two, as the band comes up, we are the prophet of our own life. We are the prophet of our own life. We become what we talk about all the time. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it. Now that is a Bible word. It's not an Eastern spiritual term. It's a Bible word. What does it mean to mutter to yourself? It literally means talk to yourself. Oh, first sign of madness. No, first sign of living the dream. This is why when God got hold of the early church, we covered this last week, the first thing he did was grab their mouth. First thing he did. We covered this last week. First thing he did, he wanted to put something in their mouths. They spoke the wonderful works of God as they spoke in other tongues edifying themselves, giving glory to God. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You will speak it to yourself day and night 
that you may observe to do all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success just in the context of today if you talk about it you'll live the dream if you talk about it you'll live the dream now I'm not just talking about I said it blab it grab it I said it so I get it I'm not (laughs) out the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks but also you can talk out your soul absolutely you can so the heart's wanting to speak and the soul's wanting to shout louder. So we want to get something out of our heart, out of our mouth. Do you remember I talked about thought bombs? See, thought bombs, when they explode inside, when you embrace them, entertain them, get them in, the next place they, or the next thing that happens is they come out of your mouth. James 3 is really, really clear. Your tongue is the rudder of your life. It's not just saying, if I said it, my life's going there. No, because it's more than just a word in your mouth. It's more than that. It's soul prosperity, of which one part is what you say. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Oh, that just nearly scared me to death. Oh, man, really? Really? I'm not going to get really pedantic about all the little detailed words, but isn't it amazing what comes out of our mouth sometimes? I'm just sick and tired of that. It's not about getting control of every little thing that comes out of our mouth. It's about getting the river right. About getting the river right. The stream. James says you can't speak fresh water and salt water out of the same same mouth. One's speaking from the heart and one's speaking from an unrenewed mind. So we've got to renew our mind take captive our thoughts, get the wrong pictures out, get the right pictures in and we need to be speaking to ourselves. We need to be speaking to ourselves about ourselves. Proverbs 12.4 A man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. I had about 20 verses easily, easily out of Proverbs I could have just gone through. Um, a man's um, uh, a voice is like a healing uh, a spring of life. So many, so many verses that says health and satisfaction comes from what comes out the mouth. Even in the day where we want to be really conscious about health and fitness, and you've, you've heard me talk about this so many times, we need to be healthy and we need to be fit. But our life will still go in the direction of our most dominant thoughts and what comes out of our mouths. I will be satisfied with good depending on what comes out of my mouth. And together, corporately as well. Again, I could have gone to so many verses about this. But the one that came to my heart and I think is actually particularly appropriate for this morning after what has happened yesterday and what we prayed about this morning. Proverbs 11.11 For by the blessing of the upright a city is exalted. And it's overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. 
in our day of challenging politics. Let's exalt the city. Hello? Let's exalt the city. Let's say something good rather than pulling things down all the time. Your mouth will determine where we go. Where we go. I put out a, um, a post on Facebook. One of my sons lost his wallet on Thursday night, Thursday I think. One of my sons. <laughs> it's always the same one. If ever I say one of my sons, it's always the same one. <laughs> and people were hunting in their car and you know, we were looking, I looked in my car, I looked in their car, I just looked all over the place, couldn't find it. Next day, a gentleman came round our house. Sharon was doing what she should be doing, jet washing <laughs> concrete in the pathway, absolutely. Well, I had my feet up, Sharon was jet washing, absolutely amazing. Well, she didn't do anything else, so it's... Oh, no! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm talking about power of your words, and here I am saying my wife does nothing. She does so much, my wife. She's lovely. Anyway, so there she was, jet washing, and this man puts his head round the, the pathway, just round the side gate where she was supposed to be. And, um, and uh, he said, Does Michael Melfi live here? I don't exactly what happened. He said, I found this wallet. And in the wallet was the driving license. Oh, Jesus. I don't know why. Please, can I just say, be aware on the roads now, okay? Be aware. Because <laughs> another Melfie is on the roads. It's awesome. Anyway, there's a driving license. There's He's got a couple of bank cards in there, debit cards, whatever. He's got his Oyster card. I don't know whatever else he's got in there. He had a £10 note um, in, the, in the other bit. You know, various things in there. And of course, it was all there. And Sharon was just so great. Oh, thank you so much. And took out the £10. She loves to give away other people's things. Took out the £10. And she said, please have the £10. And he said, no, 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 it's fine. Anyway, so they just got, you know, talking for, you know, 30 seconds. And he went off. So, you know, this stuff happens all the time. It just does. We are so blessed. We're so blessed. You know, when something gets lost, don't say, oh, I'm never seeing that again. Number one, it's a dominant thought that nobody, the, the, the whole world's full of a bunch of toe rags. No one's honest. Well, you have what you say. You'll reap what you sow. So whenever anything happens like this, we go, thank you, angels. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So anyway, he brought it back. So I put it out on the, on the group for this town and for our town, Hayes, and for, and for this area. You know, thousands of people on the group, you know, like a chat thing on Facebook so I just put out you know a, a, a story this thing's gone viral I've got over a thousand likes I've got so many comments and you know what it's done it, it has begun a stream of other people saying what's been good what's been good oh I lost this and it was delivered I lost this and it was given back and I found this and I took it round and it's just created this whole stream Every one of them is just going, how awesome, how great. And of course, I've, you know, somebody said, it's karma. 
And I thought, well, okay, I, you know, if you shout no back on the Facebook, you know, it, it, it's rude. So I went, yeah, great. I said, the language I use is you sow, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. And then somebody else said, didn't you give away four tickets last week? And there's somebody I didn't know. I had four tickets to go and see Bon Jovi. Couldn't go. Four tickets on the pitch up at Wembley. Dream. And I just put out on the group. I said, does anybody want these tickets? They're going free to the first one. Of course, the whole string of people. Oh, I'll have, I'll have bite your arm off for them. Oh, they mugged me. They came around. They just, ah. Anyway, so some lady got four tickets. She was absolutely blown away. And of course, that opened up. Another thing of how generous, why did you do it? But one bloke didn't believe me. There's a catch. It's a con. What are you trying to do? Unbelievable. He was he was a millennial, I'll just say. He was a <laughs> He was about 19. I can't believe it. I just know there's got to be a catch. And while he was arguing, somebody else got them. <laughs> Honestly. Somebody, while he was going, no, I don't believe it, don't believe it. Somebody said, I'll have them. We called and whatever. And then he said, I'll have them. I said, too late, mate. Sorry, they've already gone. Anyway, so somebody put out, aren't you the man that gave away so generously? So, you know, I'm saying this because you do reap what you sow, guys. Aren't, aren't you the guy who gave away those four tickets just so generously last week? And, uh, you know, I didn't make any. I just said, yeah, yeah. No, it's just life and it or something. I just went on. But it's just a string of, a whole string in both the haze and in the other one. And it's other people that have known me said, oh, that was my friend's husband that did that. Da, 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 da. And it's just gone out. One last little thing said, yeah. And I could tell by the way it was being written. My friend left a walking stick in a toilet, left and went out, immediately forgot, went back and some people nicked it. Not everyone's generous. And I thought, okay, your life's going in the way of your most dominant thoughts. And I gently went back. I didn't correct. I didn't have a go. I did correct, but I didn't have a go. And I just said, yeah, listen, that's really sad. I can't believe what some people do. I said, but if you read all the other comments on this, there are far more great people than nasty people in this world. They just don't hit the headlines. We just got to be agents for good. Where do your thoughts take you? Where do your thoughts take you? Where do your words take you? Where do your words take you? Where do your thoughts take you? Because what comes out and what goes in is where you're going to be. All the breakthroughs are there. The healing's there. The prosperity's there. The, all the churches being planted are there. All the people coming to Christ are there. They're all there. They're all there. If my thoughts are taking me down here, I can pray all I want. Oh God, God, God's not moving that to me. God's not going to move that pile of blessing to where I am on the road to destruction. Or the road to selfishness, or the road to criticism, or the road to racism, or health, uh, uh, um, anger, or... Oh, I can't think of the word I was going to use. All that stuff. I need to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. The word to repent is a very simple word. It doesn't mean cry your eyes out. It doesn't mean mourn for three days. It just means turn around. That's actually what it means. To repent and believe just means 
I'm going this way now. It's a really simple thing. Even God repented in Exodus 32. Oh, but God, there's no variation or shadow of turning. Read Exodus 32. The Bible clearly says God repented of what he said he was going to do because somebody else said, oh, I think you've already said something different, God. And God went, yeah, all right, okay. And it says God repented of what he was going to do. It just means I'm turning around from something. I'm turning around. You can repent of an attitude this morning. It doesn't mean to say, oh, it's sin. It's just an attitude. Just just repent of the attitude. Turn it around. I think everyone's a toe rag. I, I think everyone's awesome. I'm after my own selfishness. No, I'm after the good of others. It's just a repenting. It's just a turning around. Um, you know, it always goes wrong for me. It always goes right for me. It's, it's just a turning around. Yeah, but I don't really think it. No, but you're starting to transform. When you turn around, you're still going to be thinking like that. Because those are the pictures and the images. That's why you've got to take them out and put in some new ones. Do you get anything out of that this morning? Come on, let's stand to our feet.